0: Hello and welcome back to Never Too Late. I am your host, Debbie Wright. This week we are talking to two battle buddies, Darren Tassander and Tom Wright, and they are going to speak to us about their experiences working in a war zone. So, uh, you all met Tom last the last couple of weeks, so we will just go right to Darren for a moment there. Darren, uh, what was your job in Bagram, Afghanistan?
1: Uh, I was hired with uh, a company called uh, Blackwater Aviation at the time to be an aircraft inspector for the aviation portion of their business
0: so you just did inspecting you didn't do any of the mechanical work on the airplane
1: uh, when I first got there to learn the aircraft a little bit I did do a little bit of the the, the uh, work on the aircraft for just a just a few weeks just to learn the aircraft more then after that yeah it was all just an inspection but we all kind of did whatever we had to do to get things done. So I would help. Um, I would help with things sometimes, yeah.
0: So you made sure that the mechanics did their job right and the pilots would stay in the air?
1: Pretty much, yeah. I, I made sure that the uh, mechanics were following the procedures correctly, Logbooks were signed off correctly, all the paperwork was the way it needed to be, so uh, that the next day the missions could, could uh, commence without any issues.
0: How did you and Tom meet?
1: Tom was one of our pilots and every day they would bring the logbooks, they would fly their missions and they would bring the logbooks in to me and I would have to look them over um, before they took off to head back to their to their barracks or their quarters. So we started talking from that point. Uh, we were together over there for probably at least close to three years I would yeah. say.
2: Yeah. yeah, about three years.
1: Yeah.
0: Well here's an interesting question just because I'm curious because I know sometimes well, you said you're not a mechanic but sometimes the mechanics and the pilots didn't always see eye to eye so what did you think of each other when you first met? Tom you go ahead.
1: I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well I, a bit leery because uh, uh, Darren was in charge you know he was one of the upper guys in maintenance so I figured he would be you know a real stickler as far as and what he, he was professional but i figured he'd be uh one of those people you you really didn't want to work with because it you know just nag you to death but that turned out not to be the case and we got to be really really good friends yeah you know basically we would accuse the mechanics of not fixing the aircraft properly they would have they would accuse us of purposely breaking the aircraft mm-hmm. so we'd find a common ground somewhere in there and laugh about it
0: and darren what did you think of tom
1: uh tom i like tom from the from the very beginning, and most of the pilots over there are pretty personal, but some of them are, you know, a little bit uh, uppity divas. Some yeah. of them are a little full
0: of yeah, themselves, some, is what you're some saying? Some of them are
1: a little full of themselves. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of them, ex-military pilots, sometimes can can uh, mm. be a little uh, highfalutin, I guess you could say. But most of the pilots I got along with really well. And then, of course, living together in, in an austere environment, you... You get to know people differently than you would in the civilian setting because we lived together, we went to the same gym, we ate lunch together, we ate breakfast together, we all lived in plywood bee huts together. So it's a little bit of a different, different uh, relationship than what a normal aviation-centered job would be. So you were
0: almost together twenty-four-seven. So we 24/7. were actually
2: what I would call real teammates there. Yeah. Uh, you cover my six, I'll cover yours. It's it makes a big difference compared
1: to the civilian world.
0: And you talked about Darren living in a bee hut. Explain <laughs> what a bee hut is.
1: A bee hut is basically a plywood shack that is divided into eight rooms that are about eight foot by six foot, seven foot jail cell size. And they're basically divided by a ply, by just one sheet of plywood. So, if a guy in the next room is talking on the phone with his arm Skype with his wife or farts too loud or something like that, <laughs> you're hearing it. So, we would go into these bee huts, and the, you know, the, the walls only went as high as the plywood. So, the ceilings were open. So, we would go in and modify them and, and close them in and try to make them as comfortable and private as possible. But they were just basically plywood shacks.
0: And there was no insulation.
1: Um, I, I, yeah, I would say there's insulation that would have to yeah. be because it gets really cool. Yeah, they eventually sprayed that spray insulation. Some of them had a, had a foam coating over the top of them, but yeah. mine didn't. Yeah. And then, so there's an air conditioner in the, there's a center hallway, four rooms on each side, there's an air conditioner on each side up by the door, but you didn't have private air conditioning into your own room or anything, so.
0: Did it stay fairly cool in there?
1: Yeah, we would try to run little space heaters, but it was always popping the circuit breaker, so we would go, go home on leave, we would bring back bigger circuit breakers, and we'd go to the electrical panel and swap them out so, so that the breakers wouldn't pop all the time, which is probably yeah. pretty dangerous. The
2: B-huts were built, they they would make the World War II wooden barracks look like modern hotels. Yeah. The B-huts were built to not last very long, they were built to a very, slight budget by the lowest contractor
0: and what were your beds like
1: Uh, children's bunk beds a little single bed just a little single bed a
0: fairly good
1: mattress? Uh,
2: $100 mattress. Sheet mattress. Yeah they got the mattresses off the local economy Um, I mean they were just mm. everything done over there they would even put the buildings together below grade which means when it rained real hard some of the bee huts would flood it's just, you know.
1: And of course there were no bathrooms, so you would have to in the winter time, a lot of people think Afghanistan is like a hot desert, but in the winter at 5000 feet, we got a lot of snow and muck yeah. and rain and if you had to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, you had to you had to get dressed and put your boots on and wade through the muck to either an outhouse or go a little further to the shower house. But uh, you yeah, it was and so, then if
2: it was night, you'd never sit down in the outhouse.
1: Oh no! You never knew what you were sitting in. They were so nasty. I think that's why I don't. Ha- I've never caught COVID. Yeah. <laughs> After those outhouses, I think I'm immune to everything. Between that and the burn pit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what other kind of living quarters were there? Because I know there was other things besides bee huts and container.
2: Well, there were the containers, regular old, uh, Mersk and air sea land shipping containers, and the uh, uh, facilities guys that had the contract would come in and they'd weld a couple of them together cut out the center wall and actually put a little bit of aluminum paneling in them or something or malomite so yeah, and and they would I I stayed in one in uh, Iraq and it wasn't bad but you're still sleeping basically on top of your buddies
1: and our offices were all built out of sea containers too. Yeah. Or not sea containers, but shipping containers. The shipping
2: containers. Yeah.
1: All of our offices were stacked on top of each other like Legos. And we'd build stairs. And then our offices were all built inside shipping containers. But then after, what was it? I don't know. It was probably there two years, maybe two and a half years when they finally, the company finally built us the Hilton, we called it. Out
2: of shipping containers. <laughs> out of shipping containers.
1: But that was nice because we had our own rooms. With our own air conditioner and we didn't have to go outside to go to the bathroom
2: and they had to build them because the base was tearing down all the bee huts yeah. they wanted to make it nice enough so when we pulled out they would leave something nice for the uh,
1: locals <laughs> yeah definitely
0: <laughs> what were his, what were the meals like did you have different places you could eat was the food good we had
2: two main mess halls and an army tent Actually, I guess we had three plus the Army
1: barbecue On our side. On our side. We had the we had the barbecue Yeah. until it closed. We had the Army defect. We had the Dragon defect. And the Air we, Force um, went up, up the street. Yeah. yeah. And what,
0: what's the Dragon one?
1: Dragon, well, they called it the Dragon defect because it was right across from Dragon Building, which was all the different areas of VHATs had names. Oh, okay. And, uh, and, uh it was all it was it was decent food we'd yeah. have we'd have believe it or not lobster crab legs and steak every nice. fr- every Friday yeah. night it was uh, nice. surf and turf they called
2: it mm-hmm. yeah. but after a while they got rid of the lobster replaced it with crab and yeah. then after a while they got rid of the 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 Friday night surf and turf Yeah. as the war went on everything that supports the war is done by contractors contractors want the job, so they'll bid lower than whoever has it. So in order to bid lower, the food gets a little bit worse, or they did away with our sandwich shop in the mess hall. It used to be one of the problems we had is we would have to be on the flight line before the mess hall opened, so the sandwich shop would be open. We could go and build ourselves three or four sandwiches to take with us throughout the day because we'd miss, miss breakfast, we'd miss lunch, and we'd be back for dinner. Then they got rid of the sandwich shop, so a lot of us with on the early schedules, the early flights, we didn't eat all day. We'd get one meal a day, uh, even though that was considered to be part of our pay.
0: And Darren, um, being on the maintenance side, did you have a? Problem?
1: I never had issues like that because I was always there where I could go get these guys were off flying early and be gone all day. Um, then we had, we also had a Pizza Hut. Was it good
0: pizza, like American pizza? It was, was you know, they
1: were all, could you get big pizzas? I couldn't remember. I think they had regular sized pizzas.
2: Yeah, the regular. Yeah, there was a lot of nice little fast food restaurants until, who was it, General Crystal came in?
1: Yeah, that was before I got there. And shut everything down. Shut everything down. Then we got a Popeye's chicken. We had the green bean coffee place. And on the other side of the base, there was a Burger King. And but it was in a you know it was in a conic, or it was in a shipping container of course yeah but uh, and it was using local meats yeah so there it wasn't
2: it was a good facsimile of American fast food yeah but it wasn't American fast food
0: yeah. well I'm curious about the Popeyes chicken was it what we, kind of chicken was
1: it we, we was it know. chicken it looked more like pigeon I don't know. <laughs> but it was like at the steaks on okay. Friday night yeah.
2: it showed up it was flown in. And several times I watched him unload these things, and right on the box was stamped for institutional or prison use only,
1: yeah. not for sale. The steak all said that, too. Yeah.
2: And it was like the lowest quality meat they could get. Yeah. all contract. The lowest bidder gets the contract. So after a while, most of us gave up eating the steak. I mean, we'd switch over to whatever else they might have that night, because they always had a selection of food. I got to the point that uh, I will not eat anything with curry on it anymore.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We did have the Afghan restaurant too. Was it called Aziz's? Yeah. Which was an Afghan food restaurant that was up on our base.
0: What is Afghan food like?
1: It's, you know, there's a lot of rice and then of course, sheep, goat. Um, It was pretty good, actually. I liked it. And since then, I've eaten Pakistani food it's kind of a mix between Indian, Pakistan, Afghan food. It's all kind of similar, but uh, yeah, I like it. I liked it. Real, it was good. But uh, then you get the bread, you know, the flat bread. Yeah. Foot what bread, do they, we what do they it. call that? We call it foot bread, remember? Yeah, the name? Br- need yeah it they foot. need it with their feet. <laughs> we would uh, we would
2: fly down to what was the base? Kabul. No or uh Kandahar. No. If you're facing towards Kabul, it would have been off to the left through the mountains. No, that was way up in the other direction. Anyway. Sharana.
0: Uh okay, remember guys, people are listening <laughs> yeah. to you listening to you trying to figure out where you are.
2: Anyway, they we would stop there and if we had any time on the layover, the little Afghani shop there sold a the flat bed. Flat bread. Flat bread, yeah. So that was pretty good. We yeah. would we would chow down on that.
0: Do you put anything on it?
2: Uh, no, he didn't have mm-hmm. anything to put. It he, he, he would have nothing that we would trust. Yeah. But I mean, how, what could they do to bread? And mm-hmm. it's not really bread, it's more like a, a thick tortilla. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's good. It was good. Mm-hmm. And That's so, better. to to help us out with meals and stuff like that, most of us would get, I'm going to call them care packages from home, and they might be a couple of jars of peanut butter yeah. or ramen something noodles. like that, Ramen noodles, yeah. anything that, that would help oatmeal you know
0: oatmeal i'm sure yeah tom did not get oatmeal i guarantee that <laughs> no. he will not eat oatmeal
2: i tried it once and it was and everybody that i was working with the guys they were they were eating oatmeal they put syrup on it and berries and stuff and it looked really good so I, I fixed a bowl like that and I tried it and it was just as nasty as what my mother used to feed me back in the 50s. It was horrible.
1: <laughs> that was pretty much it for food. Unless you, unless you could get a. One of you guys went to Kandahar and bring back some Tim Horton donuts. Oh, Tim Horton donuts. That was. That was always a treat. Yeah. <laughs> of course, at Kandahar, they had a TGI Fridays for a while, they had a Kentucky Fried Chicken. They had the Boardwalk. They had the Boardwalk, yeah.
0: But you got cookies sent from home. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, care packages.
0: So, what was it like just actually living on base? What are, okay, let's say what was what did you do for entertainment? I know you had a day off once in a while. What would you do? You yeah.
1: had lots of days off. Yeah,
0: Darren, you didn't get any, I days, get off, any days off, but the pilots did. Uh, <laughs> we,
2: well, by by FAA regulations, we had to have so many so many hours off, and you know, limit your flying to so many hours a day. Uh, There was a little PX there, and it was a small PX. It was one of the cases. You'd go over there for entertainment just to watch the other people try to find toothpaste because toothpaste (laughs) was in short supply. If if it was on the shelf, you better get it because it would be a month before you'd see it. There was a couple of shops. They're all Haji shops uh, with knockoff CDCs of programs and movies. Yeah, DVDs. DVDs, and they were being sold right there on base even though it was... But
1: what about our band? You yeah, had band? The, do you remember our band? Yeah, Mike Mullis and a couple other guys, Darren. There was like four of us and we all played instruments. And of course our, our mission over there was, we were stole S-T-O-L, short takeoff and landing aircraft. So I came up with the name. Mike Mollis was kind of the most musical of us. So I named the group Mike Mollis and the Stool Samples. <laughs> <laughs> and we would get together and, and and play music. And if we had cookouts, we'd play music. And actually, we ended up playing at a funeral. Yeah. Remember there were that? quite a few cookouts uh, on, the, on the deck uh, to the office. Yeah, And of course, it was
2: locally sourced meat. So it was good to have a cookout and everybody, the camaraderie. But it was still not... It just was a little bit off center as far as the food taste it was good yeah. and you were appreciative of it there were a lot of good times there a lot of good friends
1: of course the gyms they had the gyms
2: yeah so we spent a lot of
1: time in the gym
2: uh, uh, other than that entertainment uh, you know when you got a new uh, dvd you know you would look at it a couple times pass it around
1: yeah. or if you could get on uh pirate bay and download a pirated movie oh yeah but, but the <laughs> internet was so slow that it would take I mean, you'd start the download before you went to work, and then 12 hours later, you'd come back and it might be done. <laughs> yeah. Sniper Hill. Oh. Sniper, Sniper Hill, Hill. And the horrible internet. internet. It was just fast enough where you could Skype or FaceTime back home if you had to. But, but
2: you know, the hours we worked were generally long enough that you really didn't worry too much about entertainment on your off time. You wanted to rest because yeah. you'd, you'd be up at 4 in the morning and you might not finish your day till seven thirty, eight o'clock at
1: night, every night.
0: And that's the pilots. What about you, Darren? Well, uh, I was working,
1: I've worked usually twelve hour shifts, and but we'd go to the gym, and then head back to your you know eat eat dinner, head back to your room, watch a movie, maybe talk to the wife on the phone, go to sleep
2: ignore the air raid sirens. In. Yeah, we ignore the air raid sirens yeah. and take cover, Don
1: IBA. You could always tell the new guys from the guys that'd been there for a while, especially in the Chow Hall, because we'd be in the Chow Hall and then you'd hear incoming, incoming, incoming and all the new guys would dive under the tables and us guys have been there for several years would just keep eating. Yeah, we'd, we'd laugh. Look at the new guys and, and just keep eating. Yeah, but you were the new
0: guys once and I bet you did that too.
1: Yeah. Uh, I remember my yeah. first air raid. I was coming out of the shower house and I did run for one of the hardened shelters.
2: Well, the, the scariest one I had, the church and one of the uh, army units. It was a Pat Tillman coffee shop. Yeah, yeah. built mm. this little coffee shop out of plywood and you yeah. could go in there and for donations you could get a cup of coffee. Yeah. Uh, then you'd go through the gate and go out to the, mm-hmm. the ramp. I had just stopped in there, it was about 4.35 in the morning, got my cup of coffee, heading out to the airplane, and there was a big co mm-hmm. fireworks, just right out by the runway. Mm-hmm. And that was my first exposure to yeah. uh, having rockets shot at us. Yeah. And after that, it was hey, kind of neat. Let's go out and watch.
1: And they would hit us every September 11th, and they would hit us every holiday. Yeah. And then the one, remember mm-hmm. the one that hit our airplane yep. in the hangar? That was a September 11th attack. And it went, the rocket went right over my barracks because I heard it go... <laughs> boom and then the shell casing lodged in the tree remember Mm -hmm. and then the one rocket landed outside the hangar there was guys in there working but it didn't detonate luckily but it split in two went through the hangar hit the back of wing of our aircraft and went through the other side of the hangar and didn't hurt anybody but it had it exploded it probably killed everybody in there but yeah we were constantly getting getting attacked and then then the fateful night of November thirteenth or uh, november twenty ninth, two thousand and thirteen, which was Thanksgiving night. yeah, two thousand and thirteen when a lucky rocket, lucky for the Taliban, hit our barracks. Yeah, Dead. Kitty c- and Al. Dead center killed Al almost instantly when Kitty died in surgery. and her what' well, scariest thing for me about that was her room was originally my room we traded because she wanted to be on the ground floor. Mm. So,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah, that was a bad night.
2: And when they weren't shooting at us or sending rockets our way, they would be up at 0 dark 30 in the morning singing prayers in Arabic on over the loudspeakers. So you never got... Was that
0: like on an Afghan side or something? How were they allowed... It was the
2: town right outside.
0: Oh, it was the the town. Yeah.
2: And And that was constant whether it was a holiday or not. Every morning before sunrise yeah, they were over the loudspeakers singing singing prayers. So yeah. you never got a really long good night's
1: sleep to with your plugs mm-hmm. in.
0: So I wanna go back to the um, the mortar that didn't explode, it didn't detonate. Mm-hmm. Did somebody have to come and defuse it?
1: No, it, it when it hit the it hit the ramp about twenty foot outside the hangar door and just disintegrated. Oh okay. and just fragments yeah. and okay. it, it didn't detonate but it fragmented and then pieces of it went through the hangar, hit the airplane. Yeah.
0: And was well, the airplane total?
1: No. You were able to fix it? No, it hit the flap, it hit the flap, did some damage. That was, you know, that was the uh that was the, the dash eight, the one that uh used to be Dick Cheney's airplane. Yeah. Three oh eight. The what was the company that we were flying missions for? What were they called? It was a big secret deal. I can't remember. Oh yeah.
0: It was a secret. I can't talk about it
1: they didn't tell i didn't even know what it was but um yeah all the mechanics and pilots that worked that they had to sleep they had to go down to a different barracks yeah Yeah.
2: yeah. not allowed computers cell phones anything because it was so high security yeah i can't remember what that was Uh, it was just the ngo or nga nga or ngi yeah uh, something like that non-government agency yeah
0: So for those listening to this podcast, remember we said we're having a conversation with these two battle buddies, and that's what you're hearing. You're just hearing their conversation where they're trying to reminisce and remember.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it happened over 10 years ago. (laughs) memory.
0: Darren, what's the worst damage you've seen on an aircraft?
1: Oh, gosh. Remember the CASA that got hit? Um, It was an Evergreen CASA 212. i
2: have got pictures of it.
1: I've got lots of pictures of it. Um, A rocket went through, and now this aircraft was parked on the ramp, so nobody got hurt, but the rocket went through the left engine, completely through the engine, punched a hole through it. Creating a lot of shrapnel. Through the fuselage, bounced down the runway, and lodged in a King Air. That was probably the worst, that airplane was total. They they took it apart and shipped it out on pallets.
2: And some of the uh, damage by the munitions that don't explode, the uh, bad guys, Taliban, Afghanistans whatever. they were using stuff that had been buried for years. This was old Russian ammunition. Yeah. And when the Russians left, they left all their equipment behind, kind of like we're doing now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, we
1: have a history of arming our future enemies.
0: What about an aircraft that was in flight that got damaged? Uh, I've
1: it? seen a helicopter take a 50 caliber round through the tail and they didn't even know it until they landed and did a walk around. Then the bullet, it was uh, one of our um, S61s. Yeah. I and mean, that was
2: brand new. They had to do a whole new tail boom, as I recall. I don't think so. It, it went through it, it missed the it. drive shaft.
1: Yeah. I've got pictures of that too because I left the exit window by about six inches wide. Yeah. And it missed the drive shaft by like an inch. And it went through the rotors. Yeah. The tail rotors without touching them. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Hmm. Um, Gosh, I, we we seen a helicopter on the other side of the base Chinook get hit by a rocket one time when it was getting ready to take off and watched it burn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, pretty... there'd
2: be a lot of bullet holes and stuff, but yeah.
1: nothing like you would expect. An aircraft
2: can take a lot of damage, yeah. so you know generally a bullet hole, but if a bullet hit it, unless it hits a cable for a flight control or a fuel. Unless our
1: aircraft run, you know the the consoles run pressurized, so yeah.
0: What is your best memory of being at bogrom Darren?
1: <sighs> My best memory, I don't know, probably Christmas uh, two thousand twelve, when that was about the only Christmas I didn't get to come home, and we had a uh, me and uh, maintenance supervisor had a contest to see who could decorate our ends of the, <laughs> of our office the best. You know, we made I, I had lights and made snowflakes out of I had stuff all over. I, I had a little that. fake fireplace made. And so you
0: had an arts and crafts day. I won. Oh, congratulations! Yeah, yeah. I didn't win that.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Tom, what's your best memory?
1: I would say
2: all the friendships meeting me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <Derek. laughs> what's what's kind of nice about it is everybody that was there was there because they wanted to be. They weren't drafted. They weren't forced into it. Uh, the
0: contractor, you mean? The not, contractors. The, not the
2: military. Well, you know the military; they're all well, volunteers. Well, it is too. a volunteer.
0: Yeah, you're right.
2: But as far as contractors, everybody thinks, well, they're here for the money. Well, not really. If you no. break it down for the amount of hours you're there, you're only making about thirty-five dollars an hour, compared to a plumber who makes thirty-five an hour. It's just that we're working twenty-four seven. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. away from our families and getting shot at. Yeah.
2: So, but but the best memory is probably the camaraderie. And I don't think really there was really any true friction between any of our guys. You know, you'd get have an argument occasionally or whatever, but everybody was really, they would back each other up. Uh, we were all in it together. You know, that's a, that's a cliche nowadays, but yeah. we were in it together, and we had each other's back. And that, to me, best friends I've ever had. Yeah, I
1: made some really great, great friends.
0: Lifelong friends. Yeah, yeah. You're still in touch absolutely.
1: with Absolutely. And I've helped, you know, s- several of them get jobs where I'm working now, you know. So, you know, I recommend these guys highly. If you
0: need a job, call Darren Tazander. Yeah,
1: I'll help you out. <laughs> and there's the
0: advertisement for today.
1: Yeah.
0: Let's switch it the other direction. What about a worst memory? For me? Yeah. yeah sure. Tom could go first.
2: The worst memory? Probably, uh, Getting on that third-rate airline in Dubai to fly to Bagram, there were scary airplanes. They were almost as bad as the airplanes in Africa. Uh, I mean, these pilots basically couldn't speak English. Not sure that they were really qu- qualified to fly a seven thirty-seven. Hmm.
0: Uh, well, you could have just gone up there and helped him, maybe.
2: Yeah, it's just you know. <laughs> but you know, being a pilot, I'm not comfortable anywhere but a cockpit anyway. Okay. But I would say uh, the worst memory is probably uh, when you land in Bagram and you gotta stand there for I don't know how long while they pick up your cat cards and check your ID.
0: Process you in basically. Process
1: you in, yeah, that's, that's probably the worst. Mm-hmm. Other than the bathrooms. Mm-hmm. The bathrooms.
0: What about you, Darren?
1: Um, that was pretty easy. I was on duty when the rocket hit our building. It's me, me and uh, one other guy. So I had to go to the hospital and ID the bodies of mm. my friends,
0: oh, Al, yeah, Al and Kitty. Okay, mm. I
1: didn't see Kitty. She died in surgery, but I did, I did ID Al's body. Mm. And then also watching the helicopters land on the flight line and pulling those American soldiers off, draped them an American flag, mm-hmm. and seeing those young guys dead knowing that their parents don't even know it yet. Mm. That was that was pretty rough. Yeah, I got, you, I got
2: goosebumps. Were you there when they brought in the uh, Chinook or the the all the crew the, the people that were on the Chinook? I there, was. Yeah, we when got when the I, when
1: the the Navy Seal helicopter went down. Yeah. And they put it in our hangar. And they uh, brought all
2: the the they landed across from us. Yeah. In the in transport and unloaded all the caskets. Yeah. That was so sad. And then put yeah. and this. Giant helicopter the Chinook when they brought the parts back it would fit in one little shipping container. Yeah, there was nothing Mm. left of it
1: One one more good thing. I did see that was amazing. Yeah, let's
0: switch back to good things in history
1: (laughs) I just I think this is worth bringing up is I watched them fly bin Laden's body Off the base the day Mm -hmm. after he was shot. We were on the flight line as before we moved to the other end Mm -hmm. and an osprey came in we never seen ospreys at Bagram yeah. and landed didn't shut its engines down I saw a flurry of activity at the C-130 hangers, and saw them bringing stuff out and then it took off and was gone and I, I remember thinking wow I wonder if they put his body on that and come mm. to later find out they had yeah
2: because they had trained all the guys that yeah. did that mission right so, up at the NGA place that was a pretty
1: good experience mm, <laughs> yeah yeah
0: so do you think they really went and dumped him in the ocean I don't
1: no. <laughs> I don't think I think he's on ice somewhere, honestly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no. What do you guys think now about the troops and everything have abandoned Bagram and left it to the Afghan people?
1: Without getting political?
0: <laughs> without without getting too political, I guess please.
2: Oh, that's it's a it's a war we can't win and we shouldn't since we're not gonna attempt to win the war, we shouldn't be there. But on the other hand, we should have kept that base because we've kept our bases in Europe as platforms to for other missions we may need to do in the future. We should have kept that base, as Darren said earlier.
0: In your conversation earlier, not yeah. on the podcast yeah, earlier.
1: Right. Strategically, it's perfectly placed for us. We sunk billions of dollars Don't into do it, and we lost thousands of lives. And to just abandon it like that, if I would lost a kid over there, I'd be really pissed right now.
2: We, we should just pay Afghanistan a rental fee for the base like we do in Japan, and Korea, and Germany, and kept the base as yeah. a base of operations, quick response, whatever we need in the Middle East.
0: Okay, so trying not to get political. <laughs> why, why did they just totally abandon it? Just, just because somebody promised that all the troops would go home?
2: Probably. Well, with the downswing in the war and the slow withdrawal, I think people were tired of the war, we've lost too many people, but I don't think uh, that uh, the military industrial complex saw a profit in it any anymore.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That probably a lot You know, people don't
2: happen. realize it, but the contract world it started back when McNamara, who was with DuPont, I believe, brought in plastic canteens, and he started the trend of using contractors for the mess halls. Even in in basic training in Fort Knox, as an example, we had contractors, which frees up the military personnel to do military missions. It's time that we're out of there, but we should have kept the base.
1: We should have kept the presence over there.
2: Exactly. We don't need to be going after Taliban or anything else, but we need a strategic Mm -hmm. stronghold.
0: Is there anything else you guys want to add before we close? Anything that you wished I had asked you?
2: Hmm.
0: Hmm.
1: That's a good question. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Now's your chance to let it rip unpolitically. Well, I
1: already pretty much (laughs) threw my comment in about seeing bin Laden flown off the (laughs) base.
2: As a civilian, what did you think of the war? Uh, Tough
0: questions. Ah. This is my podcast. You're not supposed to ask me questions. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: To be very honest, I really didn't know what it was about. Yeah. So. That's probably why so many people wanted the troops to come home because yeah. they didn't know what it was about either.
2: I, I don't think a lot of people did and there are people who were over there that didn't know what it was about. Just like Vietnam. It's like, yes sir, can you tell me why we're over here? Can you tell me why my friends yeah. killed?
1: I got a buddy that was an army ranger over there and he said he really didn't, wasn't bothered by anything until he went back there as a civilian contractor. And seemed that nothing had changed. Back and to they,
0: Vietnam, you mean?
1: No, to Afghanistan. Oh. Yeah. When he was over there as a ranger fighting with his friends dying, then he went back as a civilian and nothing had changed. And that affected him more so than anything. So it was anything. all for nothing. Yeah, yeah. That's what he feels. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, I want to thank you both for doing this. I think... I hope you guys enjoyed it a little bit. Yeah, I know you guys talk about it all the time, but this time we're just <laughs> yeah. actually getting it on tape. So yeah. I think my takeaway from this is, it is never too late to support your military. Even though you guys are older and you can't, well, you could have if you'd been, in, you know, been in the military, but you're still went over there to support our military. So. Well, all thank right. you. Thank you. Well, thank you both yeah. very Enjoy much. Yeah, enjoyed it. We will talk next time. Right.
2: Bye bye. Thank you.